And when I looked closer, there was a, a Sasquatch face on the other side, and uh, it was looking right back in at us. Staring back at me is a silhouette of a very, very giant monkey. An intriguing discovery is being investigated in a community east of Seattle. Someone came across a lengthy trail of extremely large footprints. They are up there. Welcome, everyone. You've tuned into the Nicola Valley Bigfoot Podcast, a place where your encounters are told. To share your encounter and to be on the show, email me at nicolavalleybigfoot at gmail.com. Now, sit back and enjoy the show. All right. Thank you for having me here. My name is Tom. And I'm 60 years old, not a conspiracy kind of guy, but I had something happen when I was 12 years old on the Southern Oregon coast, Coos County, Oregon. Um, my mom and dad were um, reserve police officers for a small town. We had a boat. We used to go out and fish on this on these lakes that were very, very popular, super full of great bass fishing. And we were clear at the back end of one of these lakes on one of the arms. And it was a late May, early June day. Um, sun had set, but there was still, it wasn't dark. And my brother said, hey, what's that? And I looked up and what I saw was what appeared to be a really large brown black bear running extremely fast from my left to the right across this valley at the back end of this lake, probably... 40, 50 yards away from me at the, at the most. Um, this thing was huge. It was, like I said, it was moving really fast. It ran into these trees on the, on my right side, at the back, at the back end of this lake. And, uh, you know, they're all dug firs. It went in there and it was in there for a couple of minutes. And then it started making some really crazy vocalizations, stuff I'd never heard. And again, I was only 12. First thing that we heard sounded like a bunch of loud whoops, and uh, I mean, like whoop, 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 just this crazy. Not something. I mean, it's not an elk. It's not a deer. You know, I mean, it, something's making whoop noises out there, and then it did kind of this lower frequency. I, I've always called it a roar, you know, because it wasn't a it wasn't a howl. It wasn't a scream. It had some guttural tones to it, and then from the trees on the left-hand side where this thing had originally came running from, something else made the same whoop sounds and an also kind of a roar sound, but it wasn't the same. You know, it just kind of a roar sound. And then the one that had run into the trees on our right, it cut loose with a roar roar. And it was physically something else i mean I, I don't know how i could explain it to somebody except that thing had such volume it had re reverberation and it had i mean it you felt it and it was it was physically and emotionally absolutely terrifying the noise that this thing made how loud it was how long it was um and then the one behind us did some more whoops. And the one in, on the other side of us did some more whoops. And after 
after a while, you know, we were just like, we're going to get out of here. And so my mom and Lou fired up the boat and pulled the anchor, shot back 10 miles back into town and, uh, didn't really think about it for a little bit, you know, because I mean, what, how do you really think about this? Or what do you really think about this? Um, it was about a year after that, when we were, my grandmother and grandfather had came up to see us from Crescent City, California. And that was the year 76, early 77, some, somewhere in there. Um, no, it would have been 77. That was the year that we we saw the first ads for the for the Bigfoot documentary, and it had a picture of the uh, um, Patterson Gimlin film. And then at the end of that advertisement, it had a recording of, of a howl or a growl, and it was extremely close to what we had heard out at the back end of that lake. Um, I looked at my brother who was nine going on 10 at that point, And he had just immediately started crying. I looked at my mom and her eyes were, were really wide open. And I said, that's what we heard. Well, my grandma and grandpa, they didn't, they didn't believe us. They thought we were nuts, but I mean, we heard what we heard. And, uh, it was, it was a total of about a year before we went back onto that side of the lake again. That's a pretty good sized lake. It's 10 miles long. Um, when we went back, we had a 30-30, a 308, two 357 Magnums, and a 22 rifle because we wanted to go fishing in our fishing hole, but whatever that was was really scary. And so we, you know, we were armed when we went back there. And later on, I had made the mistake of telling one of the kids at school that. I thought we had seen and heard a Bigfoot, and that was a that was a mistake. I really dealt with a lot of um, ridicule and a lot of bullying after that. You know, I didn't make it up. There's no way that I could ever unsee what I've seen and, or unhear what I've heard. You know, my story hasn't changed. And that was in 76. This is 2023. And I still remember exactly what that thing looked like. I remember what it sounded like. And it was, uh, it was, it was really scary at that time. Yeah. yeah. Especially because, I mean, I'd never, I'd never heard anything like this, you know? Especially being a 12 year old, you know, not really knowing what, what, what that thing was. I, I mean, did it take, was it the documentary trailer that you saw before you realized what it was that you had seen that day? Yes. And yes. Did, did your parents, did your mother or anybody offer you any type of, um, uh, like consolation, like, like, or, or justification or, or even some kind of explanation, I guess is what I'm trying to say as to what it was that you saw that day. Like, what did they say? Oh, that must've been a bear. Oh, you, we, we just ran into a bear. That was or that, anything like that. So that was my first, that was my first thought. Um, when we discussed it later, I said, well, was that a bear? And my mom said, bears can't run on two feet. They can definitely walk on two feet, but this thing was running. And, and, and running, I mean, I mean, this thing was really fast and, uh, it was on two feet. The bears can't run on two feet. And I mean, we didn't, we talked about it, but we didn't really go into it in a lot of detail until that trailer 
for the for that documentary in 76 77 when when they when the Wright Patterson or the Patterson Gimlin film was was shown and then when when that when that when that howl cut loose we all knew what we saw and heard and you know that's I mean that's that was the beginning of an odyssey for me yeah. you know and now my mom has never backed down and she's passed away now but you know my my dad is 87 with dementia so it wouldn't do any good to ask him because he'd probably tell you about Cindy Lopper or Goldilocks or something, you know. But, you know, I mean, my brother still remembers it. I mean, our stories have never, ever changed. It's always the same because what we saw, we saw. Does your brother still talk about it? I mean, you mentioned earlier that, you know, that that, that even the hearing the sound of the howl kind of brought, brought him to tears as a kid. I mean, does, has it affected him still? Um, well, we started fishing together in, in, uh, in Western Washington and we had an encounter out here and, you know, it wasn't as scary as what we had as kids, but we definitely recognized that, Hey, you know what, this is all like, you know, this is very similar to that stuff or like the stuff that we saw and heard when we were kids. Yeah. And so. I want to get into that with you, Tom, but but first, I just want to take one step back here, and uh, if if you don't mind, uh, did did you make it any kind of like details on the creature as it ran? Like, like, could you make out facial features or or body type or anything like that? Um, impossible to see a facial feature from from the distance and the angle that it was running. Yeah, you know, I mean, it it was running across our view, but kind of quartering so that you you couldn't really see the face um but as far as a body type mm, yeah like the, how tall do you think it was or how much do you think it weighed that sort of thing you know i would i would bet that thing was eight or nine feet tall mm. and as far as the weight i wouldn't have any idea but i can tell you that it was built thick you know it wasn't it wasn't a long a long gangly thing it was something that was very powerfully built it was i mean it was it was it was thick and did it run like a like a human does like, do you know what i mean so yes with a, with a with a forward gait but the long a way longer stride and one whole heck of a lot faster I mean the the speed that 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 thing moved with was truly magnificent. Yeah, I've never been fortunate enough to to see one of these creatures run, um, but you know, just from from what people tell me, they they have a little bit of a weird uh, motion to it. I guess I mean I had one guest on my podcast a while ago now that, but when when she saw the creature running, it was running with its arms at its side, not really moving the arms, but. Uh, that, that's why I'm asking. I'm just curious. Yeah, I don't. I don't really remember that. You know, I. I can't. I can't say that I would remember that. It seemed to me like the arms were moving, but I could. You know, but could I swear on that? You know, I mean, I'm. I was 12 and I'm 60. So I, you know, I don't. I don't know. You know yeah. what I all, all that I know for sure is that the thing had a, had a had a really incredible amount of speed to it. Yeah, yeah, I can. I, I can. Rem- I. I think I remember that more than anything, and that it was on two feet. You know, I. I wasn't. I can't. I can't. 
I cannot remember anything at all about the about the arm movement, you know, where I could say de definitive, you know, yes, its arms were by its side or its arms were up in the air or or, or pendulumine like like a human running, just none of that. I can't I can't swear to that, so I won't, I couldn't make something up. I, I just won't do that. Oh yeah, yeah, no, that that's fine. That's understandable, dude. It, that's a long time ago. Um, now you mentioned that it ran into a tree. Um, yeah, a stand of trees. Yeah. Now, did it camouflage itself in the tree, or could you still make it out, or, or was it just kind of standing there it's watching? A, or no, it's a really stick grove of Douglas firs, and so once it once it goes a couple feet into it, that you just disappear. Wow, that is uh, that that must be something almost really really impossible for a child, especially a twelve year old, to try to process. I mean, how did it affect you at that time? Like, could you sleep? Could could you? is it was something that you constantly thought about or, or how did it really how did it really affect you i guess is what i'm trying to ask um the the first couple of days you know i would say that i was still in kind of shock you know and then i i basically pushed it out pushed it out of my mind i didn't think about it until we saw that that um patterson gimlin trailer and once once i saw and heard that then it really affected me, not as in, you know, I, I don't have PS, PTSD, I don't have, I don't, you know, I, I don't need therapy or anything. Well, I probably do need therapy, but not for that, but no, um, Join the club. you know, um, I started, I started reading stuff on it and even, even at 13, 14 years old, I, I had a theory in my head that, you know, there's, how do you prove it when you, you're not, you can't go out in the field and all of that, but. I thought that these things were probably migratory and that they would, that they would be following food sources. And just like, because I mean, animals migrate and ducks and birds and geese. And I mean, everything, everything kind of migrates. And so I thought that maybe these things migrate and I, I did, I don't have any and did not have any information that would verify that. It was just something that I felt would, would make sense. And so that's kind of where I based my, my reading on to see, try to see if they followed any kind of a, uh, a migratory route. And I wish that I could say that I found that, but I didn't. Instead, what I found was, it seemed like the harder I pushed into this, the further down a rabbit hole you go and you start you really have to start deciphering who's just straight whack jobs and who's for real. And, yeah. you know, yeah, it yeah. just, uh, cause there's a lot of weird information out there. Yeah. Well, you know, run-ins with these creatures tend to have that effect on people. I know like for me, for, for instance, you know, my sighting has, has caused a, uh, a hunger that I just can't seem to satisfy. So <laughs> I, I totally understand. Um, now you're born in Washington, correct? I was born in Portland, Oregon, and raised in Southern Oregon. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, still a stone throw away. Um, yeah. Like you, you had not heard of of Sasquatch or, or Bigfoot before, you know, this happened. I mean, like, no, none of the local lores or nothing. Mm -mm. Yeah, so nope. that must have made it even more difficult to try to figure out what it was. I mean, because you know, you're you, essentially you saw something that shouldn't exist, and now you're trying to make sense of it. Yeah. In my mind, I saw a giant bear that could run fast as a bullet that made the craziest sounds I ever heard. 
until my mom told me bears can't run on two feet. And did you guys tell anyone? I mean, I know you talked to your grandparents about it, but I mean, did you call like a wildlife conservation officer or anything like that? Or No. No? No. Basically didn't tell anybody at all until after I saw, we saw that, uh, that documentary with the, with the Patterson Gimlin film. And then, you know, duh, I'm going to tell a kid at school. And that was a bad mistake. Yeah. Kids can be, uh, kids can be cruel at that age. And it's, uh, it's a sad kind of thing. I, I mean, obviously things are, are not like they used to be whack when we were kids, but, uh, you know, it's still, a, it, it's still gotta be a tough thing for, for a child to kind of come forward with. But, uh, I, I sympathize. I, I really do. My, my own daughter had an encounter with uh, a Sasquatch a couple of years back and uh, she's reluctant to talk about it. So I leave it be for now. And, and when she does want to talk about sure. it, I'll, I'll definitely sit down with her. But I understand. Right. I guess is what I'm saying. I, I think that, you know, back back in 76, the whole Bigfoot thing really wasn't as big or popular as it is now, you know. And I think that there's a little more acceptance in, in people concerning things that they don't understand now than there was then. Yeah. Leastwise, leastwise, that's what I, I, I tell myself. You know, I, I could be in error. I've been wrong lots in my life, but I, I believe that people are, are a little more open-minded towards this. And there's, there's just so much evidence now that's making it more and more difficult for people to just write them off. Yeah. You know, you know, and then you have to include the, you know, the indigenous peoples of, of North America. They, they've had stories about the, the Sasquatch for, for centuries, centuries. They're, they're, you know, as a matter of fact, I they, would, the, the legends say that, you know, the Sasquatch were here before the, the peoples were. So, I mean, mm-hmm. they've been here a long time. Right. I would, uh, I obviously am not Native American or First Nations people. I would. I would do just about anything to be able to sit and, and just visit with, with tribal people, especially elders that would know the history of, of, of their tribe and of any encounters or tribal lore concerning, concerning Sasquatch or forest people or the other people. I mean, they, all of their names all have something to do with forest brother, the other people, you know, it's, it's, it's really, it's really something else. Yeah. And I would, I would do anything to be able to just sit and, and ask questions yeah. and, and learn, you know, well, I'm not after a scary story. I already have one. I would rather, I'd rather learn history and be able to try to gain information. Yeah. Well, I'll put you in touch with somebody when, when we're, we're done, remind me when we're done recording here, I'll, I'll give you a name that you can t- contact somebody. He's actually uh, lives in Washington and uh, he's a, a native American and he, he he's, very open to helping people learn about the forest people. So remind me when we're done here and I'll, I'll hook you up with somebody. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, Tom, let's move on. Now you, you mentioned earlier that you and your brother had an encounter later on in life. Would you mind sharing that, those details with us? Yeah. So we, we fished on a river here in Southwestern Washington. Um, there's a number of rivers that you can fish down here at night. And when the, when the salmon and the steelhead are in, Sometimes night fishing is quite a bit better than the day fishing and, and the crowds are less you get, I think better fit, a better quality of fishermen. So we have, we have less instances of problems and stuff. We do a lot of fishing at night down here. And when the, when the salmon and steelhead are in, 
Um, on, on a couple of these rivers, they bite quite a bit better at night than they do during the day. So you're out in a remote area, and the first time we were down there fishing, it sounded like sounded like people up in the brush behind us talking, but they were talking in some weird language I've never heard before. Couldn't make out any words, but you could make out definite syllables. Um, we turned around, we, after hearing it for a while, we turned around, we lit it up with, I mean, there was a number of us down there. We had flashlights, headlamps, all kinds of stuff, lit up the whole bank back there and there's nothing there. Um, then, you know, the next time we were down there, we had, uh, sounded like something that was bipedal walking in the brush back there. It didn't sound like it was stomping by any means, but definitely something sounded that was like it was on two feet walking around in the brush back there. Um, again, we lit up the bank back there with, with headlamps and flashlights. Um, you can't see nothing. Yeah. And so that went on like that for, I don't know, probably six or seven months we kept hearing stuff back there. Um, never, never seen anything, didn't find any evidences of anything. And at that point, I didn't know anything about tree breaks or structures or any of that because I, I mean, I had, I basically had put the whole encounter in 76 out of my mind. And then my son, who was like, oh man, I think he would have been 11 or 12 at the time. A friend of mine named Nick and myself was was walking down to the fishing hole one night and we got extremely clear loud tree knocks and that would have been off to our off to our left a ways but not like a long ways away but it, you know I mean it was a ways but you know not not like a mile or anything it was it was out there but it wasn't a real long ways away um we went down to the fishing hole and we fished and while we were down there we had uh we had the, we had two whistles um just a simple whistle nothing nothing crazy and then from down and across the river a little ways we had a uh vocalization that started off kind of sounding like the bray of a donkey that turned into a tiger. Um, extremely loud. It wasn't anywhere near as scary as the one that we heard when, when we were, when, when I was a little kid, it didn't have that same, um, didn't have the same reverberation or whatever, where it just penetrated you. It wasn't like that, but it definitely was, was what it was and we had a couple we had a couple of whoops that night as well not as pronounced as the ones that we had on the coast where they where they were so much closer to us and we uh we packed up and we left out of there and then it was you know i started at that point really kind of diving back into this you know going you know something i'm seeing something down there and i'm hearing something down there even though I haven't seen the animal, I'm definitely 
we're, we're having something going on and I think it might be, I think it might be Bigfoot. Um, later on that year it would have been in the fall. We had rocks thrown. One of them sounded about like a bowling ball hitting the water. They, uh, I can't, I don't believe that they were thrown at us, but they were definitely thrown. And then, you know, we, we had packed up again on that night and this, I'm kind of spreading. I mean, this is all going on over a number of years because it, it wasn't like every night, you know, yeah. not, or nor every time we went down there. But now this last couple of years has been really different. And the reason why I'm saying that is because we're, we're getting a lot of, a lot more vocalizations. Um, we, I had a kid down there fishing with me. There was a lot, there was a lot of noise in the brush and I was like, you know, maybe we should just leave. And we, so we hiked out of where we were at, got up, got up to the parking lot. And went, just as we were getting to the parking lot, it sounded like a tree crashed. And so I got him out of there because the kid was scared, you know, he'd never, he'd never been around any of this. And I went back the next day with my wife, a friend of mine, who's a Marine, who's, uh, I mean, he's a Marine, United States Marine Corps. And, um, we found, we found footprints that were 15, 16 inches long. we they were probably, they were as wide. I, I bet you seven and a half, eight inches wide or more. Um, they were five and a half to somewhere between five and six feet apart. I don't want to overestimate. Um, the footprints were in a straight line with each other. They weren't side by side like like a person walks. And the tree break was definitely a tree that had been broken over. It was it was broke and it was twisted and laid over. And there's absolutely no reason why this tree would break. It's a small sapling surrounded by large um, maples and dug firs. So why this particular tree would be broken, snapped over, made no sense. But those footprints went right to that tree break, and then um, some other stuff. I mean, we we I I have pictures of them, but I don't have I don't have casts or imprints because I, I mean I I'm relatively new with the actual um, filled filled research of this stuff. Even though I've been reading on this and watching documentaries, that doesn't make me an expert. But I. Uh, I definitely have have some pictures that yeah. I can forward to you later. Oh, that'd be great. As well as as well as this, like I'd mentioned, we found trees that were on the side of this hill that um, something has dug out from around the roots of the tree, so that the they're they're kind of exposed, and so there's a hole that goes back horizontally up underneath the tree itself, and then branches have been broken off and then jabbed down into the dirt in front of the holes now i mean sure somebody could do that you know i mean absolutely i just don't know why somebody would and then there was other branches that had been broken that were quite thick they were split in half and they were peeled of all their bark and they were just laying right next to the holes that had been dug and we 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 saw that and i went back again a day after that so that we could look at it some more and there was large branches 
that had been broken off and they were laid like in a in like a loose X on the ground right there in the trail um not 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 obstructing the the path but definitely laying on the path that would go into the place where we where we saw all this stuff wow and you know and then we found what looks like a fish trap and I'll send you pictures of that too oh that'd be great that'd be great and tom when when did it become clear to you you know you, you, you mentioned earlier that you had, you had put the incident from 76 you know kind of out in the back of your mind and, and you weren't really thinking about it but when did it become pretty evident to you that all these new happenings that are going on over the course of you know 10 years whatever it was that this was a sasquatch you know from the verbalization the vocalizations you know the audio you know the the the, the talking that the gibberish that's going on in the woods you know obviously the footprints had must have had something to do with it. When did it become clear to you that, you know, this was another Sasquatch encounter that you're having? Well, I heard the whoop. When I, when I heard the whoops the, 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 the second time, because there was whoops the first time in 76. And then when, when, I, when I heard the whoops when we were down there in the fishing hole, um, that's when I knew. I said, you know what? I think, that's a, I think, I think we're dealing with, a, with Bigfoot again. And then that, really uh i mean everything just kind of came together in my mind and now i've been i've been on a i've been on an odyssey here trying to gather information i've actually posted pictures of the stuff that i found on a uh washington bigfoot organization's website asking if people would be interested in coming and seeing you know i don't want no money i don't i don't care about my name on in print i you know, um, there's a, there's, I won't go into detail, but I have a lot of other reasons that my name could be in print and, and has been in print before. And so this has, this has nothing to do with any of that. I'm not, I'm not trying to make a dollar here. Uh, that's, I don't, I mean, none of that makes any difference to me. What, what makes a difference to me is that we got something going on and if somebody has a better explanation than what I'm currently seeing or what I currently believe, I'm absolutely 1 million percent willing to accept that. But maybe we do have an active site. Maybe there is something going on here. Oh, I did take some agates that had been polished and put them on that tree that, that, had, that was the tree break. And uh, I came back three days later and they were all gone. And for the listeners, and can you so, just kind of tell us what agates are? Uh, so it's a it's a rock that's found in, in either the either either in a stream or in the ocean, and uh, they have a glassy appearance. They, and if you polish them, they 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 look really cool. They're they're shiny. They're smooth. Got great colors in them and stuff. And oh, okay. so, I, I I took some agates and put them on, on that tree. I took I don't I don't remember how many. I I think I think four or five. Put them on that tree break. And when I came back three days later, they were all gone. Maybe you somehow unwillingly, I don't know, forgive me if I'm, if I'm wrong or jumping to conclusions or whatnot, but maybe, you know, somehow you unwillingly had formed some kind of bond with the Sasquatch. I, I don't know if that makes sense to you or not, but, you know, they're the, they're, I tend to find that when people have a run-in, especially as kids, um, they can... We're going to get into the woo factor a little bit here, but um, Sasquatch tend to 
be psychic when it comes to that sort of thing, uh, from what people have told me anyway. And, and maybe uh-huh. for some reason, you know, you're carrying that same energy that you had from 1976, you know, into 2022. And maybe they can see that. Maybe they can sense that somehow. And maybe that's why they're making themselves so known to you. I mean, because once people get tagged and, and, you know, it's hard to kind of break that. I, I don't know if that makes sense to you or not, but it, it's just yeah, something well, you I'm throwing know, out there. That actually, that actually is kind of compelling because um, what I hadn't to you yet, but I, I absolutely have people that can verify. I have a friend named Ricky who I was a mentor for. I, I've helped guys get off of drugs and get out of prison and uh, get their lives turned around. That's kind of one of the, one of the things I said, I'm not worried about fame or I've, I've already been in print, but um, Ricky came up here. He was a guy that I mentored. Um, he works, he lives in South Central Los Angeles. He works for Los Angeles County. And now he's doing for other people the same thing that I did for him, helping him, helping people get their lives turned around. And I had told him about all of this stuff and we were down fishing and this was just two weeks ago. Actually, so it'd be October the 6th. So October the 6th was when he came in. So it'd been October, October the 6th was the night that, that this latest stuff happened. And we went down and we were fishing and we definitely got two loud, two semi loud whoops. Um, we had something go huh, out of the brush across the river front from us. I mean, just plain and simple. That's exactly what it sounded like. Only a lot more forceful. And then uh, Ricky was kind of getting spooked, and I'm like, "Well, yeah, maybe we should just go," you know. And so we were we started hiking out this trail, and from about there's a, there's a creek in between the trail and you're kind of hiking in a little valley, but it's not for lack or a gully, I guess you would call it. Um, so probably 25 yards away, Ricky goes, what's that? And I, I turned with my headlamp so that I could see what he was looking at. There was two pairs of eyes. Um, I can't tell you how far off the ground they were. I'd, I'd like to say that it was bears, but I don't really know if bears run together at, in pairs. I know that cats don't, but there was two pairs of eyes off to our right in the brush, but you could clearly see the eye shine. And then one of them took off up the trail on on our right, but headed heading di- diagonally, or not diagonally, what's the right word? heading in the same direction that we would be going to get to the parking lot only on the opposite side of the hill or on the opposite side of the creek. And um, we got up to the, we got up to the top and I was in the process of trying to get my waders off and Ricky straight freaked out. And I won't use the language that he used, but he basically said, Tom, open the MFing door, open it right now. Something just hissed and growled at me out of the bushes. I want to go. And I've seen this movie. I want to go right now. And so I just unlocked the locked my truck. We got in and we drove away. Um, but it seems to me that, and I just said this the other day to some friends of mine, whatever this is that I'm seeing and encountering up there, it seems like it's getting closer to me and I'm not really, I don't know if I like that. 
you know, because I mean, it's the unknown, you know, what if, what if this is, what if this isn't a benign species? What if this is a species that really doesn't like people, you know, and if it's getting closer to me, why is it getting closer to me? Am I, am I a threat that it wants to eliminate? Am I something that it wants to look at closer? Am I, I mean, there's so many questions in my mind with these things. Yeah. And, and that's because I've read a lot of different stuff from First Nations people where, you know, some First Nations people saw them as a benevolent species, and yet other First Nations people talk about having, having actual fights with them. And, you know, I mean, I mean, that's a wide, wide gamut to try to fit into. So I don't know. I don't. I mean, I, I don't know what these things are. I don't know what their intent is, you know? Yeah. Well, let me ask you this, sir, Tom. Are, are you becoming more um, more comfortable with your encounters, you know, they, more comfortable with the goings-on that are happening while you're out fishing? Um, as long as I'm not alone. Yeah. Well, maybe they're sensing that, too, and they're trying harder. Because, you know, listening to you speak and sharing, what you know, the, the rock throwing and, and the howls and the growls and, and whatnot, it almost sounds like they're trying to chase you off, like scare you away. Cause it sounds like you found yourself like a, like a, a really awesome fishing spot. So they probably know that as well. You know, maybe they're just trying to get rid of you type of thing so they can, you know, get their protein that they need. Um, and you know, the more comfortable and the more experiences that you, you deal with, you know, they're, they're finding it harder and harder to, to, you know, put that little bit of fear in you. So you'll leave. You, you don't, do you understand what I mean? I mean, it's just a, a hypothesis that I was thinking about as you're sharing your story, but it, it definitely could be going down that road. I mean, if they really wanted yeah. to hurt you, they would. I, I mean, they, they could. They, they could definitely throw a rock at your head or, or something like that. But I, I don't know. It, it just I thought I'd throw that out there and see what you'd say. Yeah. You know, very well could be. You know, I... I there's so much out here that, that I don't have answers for that I have. One question leads to five more, and those five more lead to 50 at least, you know? Yeah. I, think, <laughs> I believe if, me. I understand. <laughs> if, 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 if this was a perfect world, if I could do anything in the whole wide world all at once, you know, I probably would like to sit and visit with this, with this, uh, this woman, Dr. Melba Ketchums, who now says that she's isolated the specific DNA and genome for Bigfoot mm -hmm. or Sasquatch. Yeah. And that, it, and that it's the exact same DNA, whether it's in Alaska, Texas, Florida, Oregon, Washington, Russia, it's all the same DNA. So is this one, just one species that all of us modern human has missed, you know, and that's the other thing. So Melvis, uh, Melba Ketchum has posted this thing or, published a paper that now says that the DNA for these things are modern human, not homo sapien. Hmm. So, you know, I mean, that opens up a lot of questions in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm, when I first kind of got involved in all this stuff, I, I really thought they were just another, uh, another primate that we just haven't figured out what they were yet. But, as, as I'm learning more and more and talking to more and more people, I really don't think that anymore. I think they're another, um, another species of Homo whatever uh, that walk alongside of us, much like you know that we had Neanderthals and, and Cro-Magnons and, and 
homo sapiens, you know, that, that type of thing. Uh, right. That, that's kind of the road I'm leading to because, you know, their body structure is, you know, given aside from, you know, how big they are, they're, they're very similar to us. You know, we have the Correct. same shape of feet. We have the same shape, shape of hands. You know, the, basically the same body type, except they're much bigger than us. But, uh, you know, <laughs> as I'm listening to you talk, you know, and now I'm, I'm stirring up questions in my mind, too. But um, I guess we're all just trying to find answers for it. But let me ask you this, Tom. Do you think that they're ever going to be acknowledged as, uh, I guess, validated as a species? Do you think that day will ever come? I think that we're close to it. What, what do you think it's going to take to, to, to get that validation? Is it going to take a body? I hope not. But I, I, think, that we're, I think that we're close to it because, because of the work by Melba Ketchum saying that she's isolated this specific DNA and genomes. Now the, issue, now, the issue here that I believe is there seems to be a lot of stories of people who have had encounters out in the woods, like people that work for the forestry service or forest rangers, and they're hushed up. They're told not to talk about it. I've, I've, read, I've, read, I've read a couple of accounts, pretty detailed accounts of guys who had came forward after they had retired and said, hey, this is what I've seen and heard. You know, and there's... There seems to be, in my mind, it looks like there could be a bit of a government cover-up here. Yeah. And the reasoning why would be economical, because if you acknowledge that there is a species of modern human living in the forests in America, now all of a sudden you have you have to label that as an endangered species. The minute that you label it as an endangered species living in the forest, logging is done. It's over. And then where, what are you going to do to build houses or make toilet paper or writing paper? Where are you going to get the paper? You know, mm-hmm. what are you going to do in order to replace the, the fiber that, you, that we use to build houses and all of the, all the rest. And so I personally kind of think that maybe they've known about these things for a while and they've, and they've, and they basically have hushed it because of, but because of what it would do to the economy. Yeah. And then if they do that, then does that mean that nobody gets to go in the woods anymore? Or do we become like, England or Scotland where the only people that can go into the woods are the rich landowners. So that means Georgia Pacific and Warehouser, international paper, they're the only ones who get to go in the woods. You know, I mean, I mean it just, it, it seems to me that that's, that would be why they would cover it. You know, that's yeah. at least why that's my theory. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think that we're close. Me too. I, I, really, I think so. I well. think that we're a lot closer than we've ever been. Yeah, and and not to get to delve too far into the conspiracy cover-up thing, but you know, you, there's just way too many stories that uh, about government, you know, officials showing up, you know, conveniently after a sighting has happened, and and you know, taking down information, that sort of thing. There's just too many stories of that. I mean, obviously, you're from Washington, so you've heard about the the Mount St. Helens eruption, and and. Uh-huh. Yeah, like I mean, there, there's just way too much 
happening there that we, we can't just slough it off as, as nothing. So I, I do think there's yeah. more going on than, than we realize, but you know, there is uh, at the same time, I think the Sasquatch people don't really want us to find them yet. And that's for whatever reason, who knows at this point, but I, I don't think they're ready to deal with us yet because we're quite destructive as a, as a species and they're quite the opposite. So it's going to take some work yeah. to, to get to that point, I guess is the point I'm trying to make, but right. Yeah. Um, Tom, I want to say thank you for coming on the show today, but let me, before we go, um, I know you mentioned earlier that for the audience, me and Tom were speak, speaking before we started recording, but I want to hear about this orb encounter that you had, if you don't mind sharing that. Oh yeah. Yeah. So my friend, Nick, who I had mentioned earlier and I were coming up out of the fishing hole and we, we had heard some noises, but nothing that was really outlandish, you know? Um, nothing over the top, but you know, I mean, we heard something, I mean, we hear something down there pretty much all the, not all the time, but a lot more than ever before. And as we were walking out, you know, it's 12 one o'clock in the morning. I looked up and directly ahead of me and kind of to the right, but up in the distance, I saw what I first thought was two really large or two two really large eyeballs or you know just a set of eyes glowing at me and i said man those are really big eyes and and nick said tom that's one light and so i i I looked again and he was right it was just looked like an orb of white yellow green i know that sounds stupid no you know what that's not the first time if i I hadn't seen it i would i you know what i am i'm the guy that I'm 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 a believer, but I'm a skeptic, and I start hearing people talking all about all kinds of weird stuff, and it's like, man, I just think I I wish they'd shut up, <laughs> you know, because I I want to stay on on stuff that's at least somewhat tangible. And then now I just seen a I just seen an orb of light. We watched it for like, uh, gosh, nine or ten seconds, and then it just wasn't there anymore. It didn't like fade out or go up or down or right or left. It <laughs> I don't know. I know that doesn't make any sense, but it just wasn't there anymore. It was there and then it wasn't. Hmm. And that's what made me start looking around where I, the next day when I went back up there and I, and I found the, the area where the trees had been, the tree roots had been dug out and the sticks broken and jammed off down in it and or in front of the holes. And, you know, yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> no me, I've heard I sound this like I'm nuts. Yeah, I've heard this. I've heard actually heard this before, like from from multiple people. Actually, it's not quite uncommon as you might think it is. So that's why I wanted to bring it up today. Like, there's something between orbs and Sasquatch. I'm convinced of that. Absolutely, one hundred percent convinced of that. Of that. But what that what that connection is between the two, I have no idea. Uh, I just there's something going on with with the orbs and, and Sasquatch. I'm sure of it. And, and for some reason, Tom, you're you're tagged. Whether you want to be or not, like the Sasquatch are getting familiar with you, and for some reason they, uh, for some reason they have tagged you to be around them. So I got to ask you this now before I let you go: Do you consider yourself to be fortunate that you've had these experiences with, with the Sasquatch? Um, that's a really loaded question. I I would honestly say. 
I've told people in the past, I, I wish that I had never seen what I seen when I was 12 years old because of all the ridicule and the bullying and everything that happened when I was a kid, you know, I'm not a kid no more. I'm not, I'm not scared. So I don't really get bullied or ridiculed. Um, wouldn't really matter. And I'm at the age now where I wouldn't, I don't care what they think. I just know that what I saw and heard, I saw and heard. So do I feel fortunate about this up here? Um, you know, that that's a mixed bag. Yes and no. Yes, because I'm seeing it. No, because I think that I would rather have other people that see the same thing so I know I'm not nuts. <laughs> you know? because, because, I mean, that's why I said somebody wants to come up and show me a better explanation of what I'm seeing. I'm 100% in that corner, you know? Yeah. Because. I mean, when I seen the orb, I thought I, I thought maybe I was starting to lose my mind. You know, I mean, what's going on? Now I've 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 looked at this enough to where now I'm seeing things, and that was my exact words to Nick. He goes, "But Tom, I saw it too," you know, and I'm like, "Okay, I don't know what to say." Well, to follow up with that one, do you think you'd be able to handle seeing another one? I guess, like, do you think you'd be able to to digest it? I guess. Provided that it wasn't trying to hurt me, yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, if it, if it was trying to hurt me, then that would then that, I wouldn't care for that part too much. But you know. Yeah. I but to actually to actually see one. You know what, man? I'm I'm this I'm this kind of way too. If I was to actually see another one in the area that I'm talking about, I don't really care if somebody else saw it or not. If I saw it, that'd be justification in my mind that I definitely was seeing what I've seen. Yeah. And, and, and that's why I was asking because, you know, I, not, not to bring it back to me cause I, I don't like doing this, but you know, when I had my sighting, I, I doubted myself for years and, it, and, and I did an episode a couple of weeks ago with a lady who saw one in this exact, pretty much the exact same area that I saw mine. And it, for some reason it was completely, um, it, it, it took a weight off my shoulders. I know what I saw and other people have seen it too so it was really validating to 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 me that's that, the word yeah. validating yes yeah. i got it yeah. yeah well tom this has been great man thank you so much for coming on the show today this was this was amazing thank you so much sir absolutely and for the listeners if you guys just want to hang around we're going to close out the show stay there Hey, we're back, everyone. We are back to pull a pin on this one. But before we do that, we have to give a huge thank you to Tom. Uh, Tom, buddy, thank you for coming on the show today. I, I sincerely appreciate you coming on and sharing with us your encounters that have been going on for, for decades, really. Um, you know, I'm going to say something that might not be all that popular amongst the Sasquatch community and, and all the members and stuff, but I, I really do believe that there's some kind of psychic force involved with Sasquatch. You know, I hear it so much. There has to be something behind it, you know, as well as the orbs. Um, tagging, I, I think people do get tagged. Somehow, some way, you know, a Sasquatch has the ability to imprint on a, on a human. And, you know, how else do you explain mul people having multiple sightings and multiple encounters with, with creatures? And, and not usually violent, 
I mean, I don't really hear too many violent encounters, you know, that have been going on for many, many years, but I'm sure they do. Um, what do you guys think? Write, write in and let me know what your opinions are. NicolaValleyBigfoot at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you guys. And, and let me know what you think about this this tagging thing. But, uh, Tom, thank you so much, buddy, for, for coming on the show today. I, I really do appreciate it. And uh, uh, let's keep in touch. If you have any more encounters, definitely let me know. Uh, let's see, guys. We're going to get out of here. Uh, but before we do, of course, we got to give the email out. So NicolaValleyBigfoot at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. And if you'd love to get your story on the show, get in touch. Oh, uh, you know what? Something I did forget to mention this past weekend. Well, at the time of the recording, the podcast this past weekend was the Bindernagel conference on the Vancouver Island. Uh, from what I understand, uh, it was a huge success and, and uh, you know, is very well attended. So congratulations to Thomas Seawood who kind of organized everything. Uh, all the volunteers who helped get, get the thing going and put on a really good conference. Um, uh, I really wish I could have attended, but, you know, with my new job and my new work schedule, it just wasn't in the cards. So uh, hopefully I can get to one soon. Um, having said that, I went on my Facebook page. Uh, what do you guys think about having a Sasquatch conference slash meet and greet here in the British Columbia interior? Um, for the most part, it's generally, uh, positive. So it's something I'm going to try to look into. I, I really think British Columbia needs more conferences. You know, Sasquatch is synonymous with British Columbia. So I, I really do think that, you know, there should be more, um, knowledge sharing. And, you know, well, of course we get the first nations people involved in of this territory. And, and of course, you know, people sharing their stories and, and experts and whatnot, but, uh, let me know what you guys think. So once again, reach out to me, NicolaValleyBigfoot at gmail.com. Okay, uh, I think that clears everything up. You know what? We're going to rock out to some Van Halen on the way out today. So uh, you guys have to indulge me in my Van Halen addiction. <laughs> it's good. It's, it's all lovely music. <laughs> but until next week, guys, I will talk to you all later. Bye. Mm-hmm.